Welcome to the Reach College Podcast with your speaker, Krista Smith. How often as Christians do we treat it as if we are in this spiritual battle? It kept me accountable and encouraged me to not allow those people to steal my joy. Okay, how are you guys doing? Okay, that was lame for as loud and as you guys just were playing rock, paper, scissors. How are you guys doing? Yes, okay, thank you. Okay, um, so I'm so glad you guys are here today. Um, glad you guys are here and awake. Um, and some of you guys went to Super Summer and then had a week of rest, and now you guys are going to Falls Creek. So we are praying for you. Um, but we are continuing um, our series in First Thessalonians, but like we have done um, every week, we've been having a different person um, share their testimony. So today, um, that is Buff Sam, um, and this is recorded, so now everyone knows that you're Buff Sam. So go ahead and come on up. And um, yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. So there you go. Also, again, it's cool. plugging to my phone. Just Okay. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do that. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I became a Christian uh, March six years ago. Um, uh, how many of you grew up in the church? How many did not grow up in church, maybe? <laughs> oh, that's fine. Okay. It's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, uh, okay, yeah, so I, I became a Christian six years ago, but I actually grew up in the church like, you know, like when I was in the womb, right? Um, my family went to church, um, but I actually didn't become a Christian until I was 22. Um, but God uh, stewarded that faith, um, that, uh, that, uh, that walk with him, that, that context, right? Um, but I, it, and my, my family moved around a lot, um, and I would actually say that... Uh, I would describe probably my upbringing as like nominally Christian. So my family was church going, but there was not, like we would pray like at dinner and such, um, but I, there was not a faith, uh, at least in my family, that I, that, I, that I would look back on and recognize. Um, and so fast forward, we moved a couple of times. We, we started in Tulsa, moved to Missouri for 11 years, moved back. Um, and it was like eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, feeling like pretty like nihilistic, you know, as probably some of you can relate to, I imagine. Um, just like, 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 what am I doing here? What's going on? And uh, at that time, the pastor of the church that we were going to was working through Ecclesiastes, which is like, you know, the best time to start paying attention to church. And I'm like half listening to that, right? So really all I hear is like, yeah, life is meaningless and, you know, and which is not the point of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> by the way. Um, but that's like what I'm hearing, like, yeah, okay, I can relate. Um, and so, but, and I'm also like in a youth group and, and, um, and in a small group where we're like, you're fumbling through like shallow questions about some lesson, right? And where we're mostly like talking about like sports. And like I, I played sports, but I didn't watch them because I just kind of think that that's lame. But, um, yeah, you know. So um, sorry for all of you who love sports. I apologize. But 
Um, but I thought, you know, I thought, okay, I think there's something to Jesus, but I don't think that what I'm seeing is the is the full picture, right? And so fast forward, um, I ended up leaving that church at like you know 16, just me, me myself, and I, and uh, I find myself at a small church where uh, I met Mondo Jenkins, and he was the youth pastor of the small church, and he was a man that just loved the Lord. Um, he was not uh, seminary trained, um, but he just, he had a passion for the Lord, and that was not something that I had experienced uh, ever before. So that was, that was an example to me of, okay, like there, there really is something to following Jesus. Um, so fast forward to college, uh, went to OSU, went to a college ministry called The Table, um, and God showed me that there are people also who like preach the word and like study the Bible and like there's a there's a way to understand scripture. So that blew my mind too. Um, and then fast forward, like I I had um, un- unknowingly picked some th- picked some things up uh, about like I I needed people to think that I was a good Christian, um, even though I wasn't necessarily a Christian. And so it wasn't until a, um, a mission trip in Guatemala that I realized that I, I was not only trying to like do the Christian life by myself, but I was also living my entire life by myself. Um, and I recognized my, my pride and my sin and my need for grace and for Christ. Um, and I surrendered my life to Christ like, that, like the Friday that we got back from that mission trip. Um, and since then, it's been like I, I, walking with Jesus has been the best thing ever, like best decision I've ever made. Um, but it's also not been easy. Uh, it, it, it requires asking help. It requires walking diligently with the Lord. Um, and so I, like the, the only thing that God actually like commanded me in that moment to do was to get rid of my idols. And that's, um, and so I'm, I, I, and, and that's a, a ongoing process, right? Um, and then uh, fast forward, I, I find my way to Evergreen, which is like the best church I've ever been a part of. Ooh, ooh, Evergreen. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, so, and, and now, I mean, the Lord is still like showing me ways that I'm, I'm, I'm not right with him, but I'm, um, and, and, and getting right with him. And so like recently, uh, the Lord showed me that I, I have not had my eyes fixed on him. And so like, I'm you know, still like finding sin in my life with the Lord's help. And repenting of that so yeah Krista it's all yours okay thank you buff Sam um, we should get him a t-shirt or something that just says I am buff Sam <laughs> uh, I need someone to get on that that would be so funny um, okay so um, again, just a reminder of why I'm even having people share their testimonies. Um, because again, last uh, wow, just series that we went through, um, we talked about how we can know we have assurance of salvation. And then once you have assurance of salvation, then your perspective changes and you have this eternal perspective, which is what this series is called. Um, but in between that, you have, um, you have a story um, of how the Lord redeemed you and um, I think we don't encourage each other enough in in sharing our stories so um, I hope you guys have been encouraged by hearing these stories and just hearing how I mean the Lord is redeeming and I mean I love that Sam ended and 
talked about how it's an ongoing process um, and how the Lord is still moving in his life. Um, and I mean, that's true for every single one of us. So um, today, um, today's title is um, called Insatiable Hearts. Um, I'm going to write that on the board in case if anybody wants to, because I definitely I would. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm about to. I'm just going to write it on the board. Um, I love the word. But. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a neat word, you know. Um, I also guess that I should bring this with me. Um, and I'll explain why I decided to call it this um, and why I kind of came um, to this conclusion. Um, because... Yeah. Also, if I was in a spelling bee, I still wouldn't know how to spell this, but it's it's fine. So, Insatiable Hearts. Um, I got this because I heard a song that like, came on my Spotify this past week, and it's by a worship band called Of The Land. Has anybody ever? Okay. I've never, I've never heard of them. Um, I've never heard of them, but they have this song um, called Only You, and in it, um, it says, only you can quench our insatiable hearts, for our rest can only be found in your arms. Our lives are yours, for only you can satisfy. And just, I, like, I was sitting at my desk, like, doing my quiet time, and the song came on, and I was like, what does insatiable mean? Because <laughs> I didn't know what it meant, but it means impossible to satisfy. So now you hear the song, and it says, only you can quench our insatiable hearts, only you can quench our hearts that are impossible to satisfy. And I just sat at my desk and I was just like crying because I was like, God has given us, every single one of us, these hearts with these desires that can only be quenched by Him. And absolutely no one else, nothing else can satisfy our hearts like the Lord. So um, again, only you of the land highly highly encourage y'all to go listen to it it's like been on repeat for me this week um so the question today is we're kind of going to be looking at our desires and what desires we try to satisfy and how our desires change um when we step into this eternal perspective um so um and and again we all have these desires we all have um, I mean, how many of you guys um, are like hungry and want food? How many of you guys ever desire that? Yeah, because it's a thing that is always going to be there. Um, just like we all have this eternal desire that can only be satisfied by Christ and Christ alone. So we have these insatiable hearts and only God can quench them. So today in First Thessalonians, um, we're going to look at just Paul's desires um, and how his desires change because of his now eternal perspective and how I want you guys as we're talking about these um, to really see how Paul's desires align with your desires and um, honestly this is one of those things um, that this this whole week when I was preparing this lesson I just remember, like, I was writing this lesson, and I was like, I don't even know if anyone is going to get anything out of this, but I felt like I was writing this lesson specifically for myself. So if no one gets anything out of this, just don't tell me. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pray really quick, um, and then we are going to dive right into it. So God, um, I just thank you um, that you give us insatiable hearts and that you give us hearts with desires that can only be fulfilled by you, God. 
And God, I pray that today um, I would just be a vessel for you, that you would speak through me, God. And God, I pray that um, just as we go through this, that we are just looking at our desires um, and seeing how they align with the desires that you give us, the desires that you call us to have, God. Open up our hearts, open up my heart to just the desires that you have for us and um, just what it is that you're calling us to and how you're calling us to change our desires to be more in line with you, Lord. And in Christ's name, amen. Okay, so um, if you haven't opened your Bibles, we're in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 17. So starting off, it says this, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or, or joy, a crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Okay, so the first thing that we see here is Paul's desire for discipleship. So I was reading this and I started thinking that Paul was just writing this um, to like just the church um, and Oh, gosh, why can I not say this word? And that's a lot. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Thank you. I really have been struggling with that this week. Um, but he was writing this, and I thought he was just writing as a group collectively, um, kind of like how we would just see people um, on a Sunday morning in church and just the desire to be with those people. But then I started looking back at it, and he was distinctly writing, um, like we've looked at in chapters 1 and 2, to those that he was discipling. And he had a desire for the discipleship relationships that he had formed. And he had a desire to see where they were at in their relationship with the Lord. Um, And he desired to disciple them and to see, again, just where they were at in their relationship, which we'll see later on. Um, And then we see this in here, just this really odd phrase in verse 19. When it says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? And then verse 20 says, for you are our glory and our joy. And I really struggled with this because I was like, isn't our glory and joy only supposed to be from the Lord? Um, So I was like, what is Paul saying here? So um, in a commentary I read um, on the Blue Letter Bible, um, which is a great resource and you guys should use it. by this guy. Um, his name is David Guzik. I never know if I say his last name right, but me and Hannah Rogers talk about him all the time. Um, but in verse 19 to 20, <clears throat> he says this, those whom we bring to Jesus and disciple are a crown of victory for us. So we kind of see this element of glory and joy um, among those that we disciple and among those that we have discipleship relationships with. So glory And I started thinking about this, and I started thinking of what does Paul mean when he says that he has glory within these people that he's discipling. And I kind of took it as as a challenge, Um, and thinking of it in in this way to best explain it, um, that when you stand before God on the day that you die, and you stand in the throne room of heaven, are you empty-handed? Or are the people that you've discipled and those people that they've discipled and that they've discipled, are they all standing there with you? Are you standing in the throne room empty-handed? What is the glory that you are bringing to the Lord because you diligently 
discipled people while you were on earth? Who are you bringing into the kingdom? Who are you bringing with you in this? What is your glory when you stand before the throne one day and you can stand there and say, hey, I've discipled this person and this person has discipled this person. Are you living to make disciples of all nations? Because we see in Revelation, and I'm just going to read it really quick. In Revelation, it says... Um, well, if I can get there. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. On that day, will you stand there empty-handed? Or are you bringing people with you as you're seeking Christ? And then there's this element that he says, you are our glory and our joy. Um, I could not think of any other way to explain this except there's an unexplainable joy to discipleship. Um, If you are in a discipleship relationship or you are discipling somebody right now, um, there's a joy to that. And I think there's a joy to that because Jesus tells us to do it. and he's pretty straightforward in it. In Matthew 28, what does he say? He says, go and make disciples. Um, and I think in the simplicity of that, I think we oftentimes overcomplicate that to where it's not some huge thing where you have to have everything planned out before you go out and do these things. You just have to go and live life with people. And there is such a joy in that um, that I'm not even going to try and explain to you because I literally can't. And then we see, continuing on, um, and this one might kind of sound weird, but I'll explain it. We see Paul's desire of encouragement. So starting in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, so that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are destined for this. Verse 4. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it had come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Okay. So... Continuing with this theme of having having an eternal perspective and having our desires change. So we see when we come to Christ, we have this desire of discipleship, but we also have this desire of encouragement. Um, and so the question here is, how often do you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? And again, this might sound like, like a weird thing to desire, um, but if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, um, as Christians, we're in a war. We are literally in a war against against light and, and darkness. And I don't know about you guys, but I would not want to go into a war without knowing that there is a people supporting me and encouraging me and praying for me. But how often as Christians do we treat it as if we are in this spiritual battle and we are actively encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ in everything that we say and everything that we do? Um, Sometimes this simply just looks like walking with someone that's going through a sin struggle. Um, Accountability is a huge way that you can encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Um, and some of you guys might just need to pray that the Lord would give you a desire to be held accountable for things. I, um, my second year of college, um, our BCM director, he gave us these questions to ask um, accountability partners. So me and two other girls got together at 6 a.m. every Monday morning and we went through these 10 questions. And I knew the questions beforehand, so it caused me to live my week out differently than I would prior to knowing these questions. Um, And one of the questions, and I will never forget this, one of these questions was, did you allow someone or something to steal your joy this week? And I was going through a time where there were some people in my life that really just frustrated me. Um, And I would allow them to steal my joy quite often. But the fact that I knew that I was going to have to be honest with these girls every Monday morning, every week, it kept me accountable and encouraged me to not allow those people to steal my joy and to for those situations to steal the joy that the Lord had given me. And then the very last question after we'd gone through all of them was, have you lied on any of your answers in this? And I just remembered that. And I remembered being so encouraged throughout the week, knowing that I was going to meet with those girls on Monday morning and be able to tell them like, hey, because you guys kept me accountable, I didn't allow this person to steal my joy this week because I allowed them to come in and keep me accountable and keep me accountable for that sin that I was going through. I was allowing these people to take the one thing that God was giving me. Um, And sometimes um, encouragement is just you wanting to know the state of someone's faith. And again, that might sound weird, but we see Paul and Paul is saying um, in verse five, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. That literally could just go up and ask somebody like, hey, how was your quiet time this week? That is such an encouraging question. I um, I had um, the BCM director that I'm about to go and work with. He called me two days ago and he just asked me, he was like, hey, how's your week going? Like, how, how is it going preparing to, to go to UCO? Like, he just asked me these simple questions, but they were such an encouragement to me. Um, but Paul was so intent, and I think this is so interesting. Paul was so intent on encouraging his brothers and sisters. He was so desirous to encourage them that the fact that he couldn't go and encourage them himself, he was like, hey, I'm going to just go send somebody else. Like, I need to know. I need to encourage you guys. But how often do we know the battles and the struggles that our brothers and sisters go through and we just tell them that we're praying for them and then we never actually pray for them? Here's a, here's a really, really crazy idea. When someone tells you something and you're like, okay, I'm praying for you, instead look at them and say, hey, can I pray with you right now? That is such an encouraging thing. And that's such a little thing. But again, if we're going to treat this like we're in a war against light and darkness, we need to be actively encouraging our brothers and sisters and participating in the war that we are literally going into every single day. And some of you guys might think, well, I don't know anyone going through anything um, or anything like that, so I can't encourage anyone. Okay, I bet every single one of you guys, you know someone that is working at Falls Creek this summer. Every single one of you guys knows someone overseas right now. Um, 
text them. Text them a Bible verse. Let them know that you're praying for you. I have a lady at my old church, and she will just text me out of the blue. And she will literally text me with no context, and it's just the prayer that she prayed for me that day. The text will literally start off and it just says, God, I'm praying for Krista, and it just goes into her prayer, and then she just ends it with, in Jesus' name, amen, and just sends it to me. And that is such a small thing, but when I get those texts, they always seem to come at the right moment. Um, and even, like, texting Bible verses um, and just letting people know that you're praying for them. I mean, the people who are working at False Creek, the people that are overseas, let them know that you are actively and diligently praying for them and that you are encouraging them through, through Scripture, through praying Scripture over them, through just sending prayers their ways um, because they're actively in a battle with sometimes literally the souls of people and we need to take that seriously and encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ and then we see Paul's desire for change um, starting in verse 6 it says but now that Timothy, that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Okay, so we see Paul's desire for change. So verse 8 is really what catches my attention when he says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. So what you desire is oftentimes what you live for. And we see that Paul was really basing the state of these people's faith and, and him going and encouraging them and him going and discipling them. He was, he was getting life from that. And... He was actively asking for, for change in these people, as we see. But in all of this, um, we also see that he was seeking and praying for them day and night. And so we had talked about this a little bit last week, about how Paul um, would pray for people day and night, how he earnestly would pray for people. Again, another sign of encouragement, actively praying for people and praying for them day in and day out. And... A lot of times, too, um, your this desire has to deal strongly with um, how you spend your time. Okay, let me draw this out for you. I had a friend last night, um, and he called me, and, and he, he's working at Falls Creek this summer, and he called me and was just telling me about his summer and everything, um, and we've just been friends for a really long time, and we were talking and we started talking about um, just how his life has changed. Um, and I've known him, I've known him for three years. I've known him ever since he started going to BCM. And um, I've seen how his life has changed. And I just asked him, I said, how did you come to that mindset? How did you come to desire that change? And he literally was like, well, I just started spending time in God's word. And I was like, oh, what a simple concept. 
Um, and he was like, I also started talking about these things more. He's on um, program staff at False Creek, and if you don't know, a lot of that is just talking to students about missions. And he was like, Krista, the more I talk to students about missions, the more that I just want to drop everything and go. Because that's what he's spending his time talking about. He's spending his time in God's Word, in prayer. He's spending time memorizing Scripture. The way he spends his time is what causes his heart to desire change and what causes his heart to desire change within others as well. So the desires that you have for change are directly linked to your time. But the things that you also have a desire to change are directly linked to how you pray. So if you really want to know what your desires are, um, what do you pray for? That's a huge thing. Um, when Paul says that they that he prays for him night, he prays for these people night and day that they may see you face to face, face to face, and supply what is lacking in your faith. He's asking that these people would continue on and growing in their faith in the Lord. I've heard it posed to me this way, um, and I think this is a beautiful way to understand what your desires are. Um, if God were to answer all of your prayers from yesterday, how would the world look different today? Would that unreached people group that you've been praying for in Africa, would they come to know the Lord? How would, how would this world look different? How would your college campus look different if the Lord answered all of your prayers from yesterday, today? How would your family life look different? How would the coworkers that you've been praying for their, their salvation, how would it look different? Or is your desire not for those things at all? What change in this world are you desiring for? And going back to talking about how you spend your time also translates to your desires. Um, me and a girl at BCM, we've been challenging each other in scripture memory. Um, how many of you guys are just like, scripture memory is so hard? How many of you guys feel that way? Yeah, it's pretty much really difficult. Um, some people, it comes really naturally, but me and this girl, it's, it's not natural. And so um, we've been challenging each other in it. And whenever I want to learn something um, or know about something, yes, I go to God's Word, but I am a huge podcast listener. I love podcasts so much. So I listen to all these podcasts on scripture memory from um, just college ministries and young adult ministries I like. And I started sending them to her. And um, I was just sending them to her just all the time. And, and she texted me one day and she was like, I love that you think that I have time for all of these. And I said, well, I know that you have time for these. And she said, how do you know? And I said, well, you have the same amount of time that I do. It's just how you, it's just how you decide to spend it. And that's for everybody. We all have the same amount of time in a day. We all have the same amount of time in a week, in a month, in a year. It's just up to you as to how you're going to decide to spend it. And that's what causes your heart to change. My friend at Falls Creek, his heart has been so engaged with the gospel and with changing. Um, he's at OSU now, but I mean, I know he shares the gospel at OSU because he spends his time diligently seeking for the change in his own heart, and then it causes him to want a change in the world. And um, I want to tell you right now, when he first came to BCM, that was not his heart set at all. Um, at all. So it's just been cool to see how his desires has changed, all because he decided to spend his time differently. 
but that goes straight back to what Paul was saying when he says, I prayed for you night and day. How do you spend time praying? What do you spend time praying on? When your night and your day, what are you doing with that time? And then lastly, we see the desire for growth. And verse 11, it says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Okay. So now the final thing that we see is we see Paul's desire for growth. So when you come to Christ um, and, and you give your life to him and you have this eternal perspective, you have this desire to grow. And again, I loved what Sam said at the end of his testimony. He said, it's just, it's a constant battle just laying down these idols. But knowing Sam and, and knowing now his, his story and how the Lord was calling him to lay down, lay down those idols, it's because the Lord was calling him to grow, because the Lord was giving him a desire to grow. And again, Going back to our time, a lot of that is linked back to how you spend your time. Um, when Paul's talking in 11 and 12, and he's talking about um, how that this church may abound in love in one another, he's not saying that this church just didn't like each other and they all had beef and were just, I don't know, like, I don't know, just not, not loving each other. They did love each other, but I want you to understand there's always room to grow. Um, And I think there is a lot um, of danger um, in this because I think sometimes as Christians we can get to this place where we're like, okay, I feel like I know everything, but you don't. And you're never going to know everything. That's why God gives us an entire eternity to continue to know him because you're never going to reach the end of him. You're never going to know all of him. You always have room to grow. Every, every one of your mentors, every one of your pastors, um, every one of your spiritual leaders, guess what? They're still growing. They don't know everything, and they're not going to know everything. There is always room for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord because guess what? The Word is also living and active. So you can go and read it, and you can read the same passage five million times and get five million different perspectives on it. You can learn new things from the Word all the time because you are constantly, constantly growing in Christ. But do you have a desire for that growth? And a lot of these things, the desire for for just growth and and for change and all of these desires for encouragement and discipleship, um, maybe you just need to stop and you just need to pray and say, God, I don't have this desire. Help me to align that desire with my own personal heart. And then in verse 13, when it says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Um, so with this idea of growth, we see that he also has a desire to strive for holiness, that he should grow deeply and a desire to grow in the Lord. And there are so many different ways that you can grow. And some of you guys might be sitting there and you might think, you might be in this weird place of like a spiritual drought and you feel like you've just kind of plateaued 
Um, trust me, I've been there, and it is, it's just not fun. But that doesn't mean that God is done growing you or you don't have anything else to learn. You can continue to strive towards holiness as you seek out Christ, even when you don't feel like it. And here are some super practical, easy ways um, to grow in Christ. Um, go to church. You guys are already ahead of the game. Look at y'all go. Um, go to church. Be a part of a community. Go to Reach. Go to BCM. Go to Truth Over Trend. Go to these places. Read your Bible. I just, I still cannot get over what my friend said last night when I just asked him, like, how have you grown? And he just said, I just started reading my Bible and having more intentional quiet times. Like, just grow. Um, pray. Praying is such a huge deal. Um, memorize scripture. Be encouraging to your brothers and sisters in Christ and maybe get with somebody and be like, hey, let's keep each other accountable and memorizing um, the Bible verse for the month. Just encourage each other in that. Memorize scripture. Be accountable in that. And then this one is just kind of like my own personal thing that I love. Um, but read books or listen to podcasts. Um, read books and something that will grow your faith in such an amazing, amazing way. Read the biographies of missionaries. That, that grows your faith. And I promise you, when you begin to read these things and you begin to pray more and you begin to memorize scripture more and you continue to be just a part of a community and you begin to go to church on Sunday just every single week, you begin to have this desire to grow and to grow in holiness and to grow in knowing Christ more. Um, and again, it's just one of those things that I'm not going to try and stand up here and explain because I, I just can't. Um, I cannot explain how God gives us a hunger for Him. I cannot explain how God takes our hearts that are impossible to satisfy and satisfies them. Um, but isn't that just the coolest thing about our God is that we can't explain Him. Therefore, we just always can seek Him out in everything we say and do. So again, we talked about Paul's desire for discipleship and encouragement and change and growth. Um, I'd take these things this week and ask God, ask Him, do these desires align with the desires of my heart? Ask God to reveal to you what are the things that um, that are taking the place of, of Him in your heart? What are those things that that you are desiring more than Him, more than spending time with His people, more than discipleship and encouragement and change and growth? How are you spending your time? What are the desires of your prayers? What are the desires of your heart? And maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I don't desire any of these things at all because I don't, I don't know God. Well, one, I'm so glad you're here today. Um, but two, maybe you've been in this place and just in this constant cycle of trying to satisfy these desires. But as we've talked about today, your heart can only be desired and, and satisfied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and absolutely nothing else. Only God can satisfy our hearts. Only God can take what is absolutely impossible to satisfy and make it possible to satisfy, but only by Him. But you have to ask yourself, are my desires His desires?
Hey guys, this is Philip Jackson, pastor of Young Adults at Evergreen Baptist Church. I want to invite you to come to Reach. We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. The mission of Reach Tulsa is to cultivate a young adult community that's defined by real transformation and a sincere pursuit of a godly life through training in biblical disciplines, personal development, and intentionally transitioning into independence as mature members of the body of Christ. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Reach Young Adult Ministry is a part of Evergreen Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.